0: So we've been in a series called uh, Kairos. Today will be the last one in this series. We'll start a new series next week. Um, We've looked at the different places in in God's Word where this Greek word Kairos has been used, and we describe Kairos as like this God moment. Uh, Carpe diem, uh, seize the day, if you will, in God terms, right? So not holding back, not waiting, understanding the time that we have, the amount of time that we have. We talked about last week the urgency of the gospel, and, and today we want to kind of continue that message, but I want to continue it from a different perspective. Um, I want to tell you, first of all, that, that uh, I, I'm going to tell you a little bit about Kenny Pre-Jesus, okay? So uh, don't go judging me today because i tell you about Kenny Pre-Jesus, all right? Um. I was young. I lived in a place called Clinton Village Apartments in Athens, Alabama. You can look it up. You can Google Map it. It's it's really a place. I'm not making it up. So I lived in Clinton Village Apartments in Athens, Alabama, Um, and and uh, it was it was me, my brother, and my sister. My mom, my dad lived in an apartment there, and uh, I had a lot of influence uh, by the people around me at that point in time. So. It was a lot of my friends that lived in the apartment complex. It was a lot of the people that just were around me most of the time. Not necessarily my friends at school so much as the people that I was around at the apartments. Because I would come home uh, from school and I would be around the folks at the apartments. And they were kind of like my tight friends. And, and I, I would, during the summertime, we got really tight because we'd go swimming together. And we'd jump our bicycles on ramps together. You know what I'm talking about? The little... The little plywood ramp, so the two bricks underneath it, it's liable to kill you. You know what I'm talking about, that kind of ramp? Yep, yep. Everybody's like nodding. Like, yeah, I know that, that kind of ramp. Uh, apparently, that's not a thing for the younger generation. I'm noticing if you're like <laughs> if you are like 35 and older, you're going like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. If you're not, you're like, what are you talking about, dude? Why, why would you jump a ramp, bicycle? What, what are you talking about? Anyway, so we would spend a lot of time together in Clinton Village Apartments. Now, admittedly, at that point in time in my life, I was not going to church. I was not consistent in church. I really hadn't been to church much. We would visit church once in a while. I kind of knew what church was about. I knew kind of what Jesus was about. I I knew about the ark and all that kind of stuff. And and I knew that there was a book in the Bible called Genesis. And I kind of knew that, right? So that was my level of understanding uh, uh, about God. But if you think about it, There are a lot of influences, people that aren't in church, people that aren't around the truth very much. There are a lot of external influences and a lot of things going on that are being said that just simply aren't true. And I experienced this firsthand. I remember distinctly, I was like, I was about five years old, maybe a little bit younger, and I remember distinctly, I mean, I know that was a long time ago, you guys don't have to laugh at that, but um, I remember distinctly sitting there with a bunch of my friends and they would tell me stuff about what they thought about religion we would get in these conversations and they would say things like, I remember I remember this. I don't know why this stuck out in my brain, but when I was thinking back to it, I remember this. One one kid told me that you couldn't pray in the shower. <laughs> and I, I had to ask the reason why. I said, I said, why? Why can you not pray in the shower? He said, because you're naked. <laughs> if you have no basis for anything, like... Like, you'll believe anything, am I right? Like, if you have no foundation, I mean, you go like, I guess I can't pray in the shower, you know? Now, I, I'm pretty sure that, that God knows what we look like naked, okay? If you don't think that he does, uh, you know, you should go back to the garden and, and, and think about that, you know, Adam and Eve used to walk around with him while they were naked. So, but anyway, so, I mean, he, he this kid said this, like, you, you can't pray in the shower, dude, because you're naked. And I went like, wow. They didn't know that, man. And, and then I remember distinctly uh, um, this, this, other, this other kid. So we were talking about prayer, right? And, and we were talking about how this kid said, yeah, man, if you don't pray and ask forgiveness for every single sin that you've committed right up until the time that you die, you're going to hell. Like, like if you cuss and then you die, you're going to hell, if, unless you ask for forgiveness right before you die. Right? And that was the kind of conversations we had. And I was like, oh my gosh. I would, so I'd walk around all day. I'd, I'd step on a bug. God, forgive me. Lord Jesus, forgive me. You know, like I was afraid to walk because what if I took a step, I crushed something, I sinned, and, and then I died, you know? And, and so, like, it, and they said, well, that's, that's why my dad, he always said, it says, Lord, forgive me every time he cusses. That's the reason he does that? And I was like, oh, wow. I, I never thought about that, man. That's, that's a lot of pressure, though, dude. That's a whole lot of pressure. But really, I didn't have any basis by which to measure this. I was just like, these are what people said. They've been to church. They know some stuff about God. I don't really know a whole lot. So I, I just kind of believed whatever they said. I didn't really have a basis for it. And then, and then, so, you know, as, as kids in the summertime, they get bored and they do stupid stuff, right? So I talked about jumping the ramps, like that was stupid. Yeah, so um, <laughs> these, these people that hung around that we, we were talking about God and we were talking about religion and all that kind of stuff, we decided to create a Ouija board, okay? so All right, so don't judge me, all right? this pre Jesus. Give me a break, all right? So we made a Ouija board out of two sheets of notebook paper taped together. Why are y'all laughing right now? This is a very traumatic time in my life, and y'all are laughing at me right now. Two sheets of notebook paper taped together. We had the letters. I, I don't remember how the Ouija board works, but anyway, so we got the letters spelled out across the top. We got some yes-no stuff on there. I think... I, I, I apologize for my unfamiliarity with the Ouija board, but anyway, so and, and then and then one of the kids went to his parents' liquor cabinet, got out a shot glass, and that's what we used to. to move. Hey, my parents are really embarrassed right now. Like they're going, I cannot believe you did this, son. Um, I'll tell you all some more details about it later. But anyway, so that was the idea. So the way the Ouija board works is everybody touches the, the, the shot glass. And, and you know, and you're supposed to be conjuring spirits or whatever. Okay, look, all right, totally satanic, totally demonic. All right, let me go ahead and say, don't do that. It's bad, okay? This is pre-Jesus. So anyway, so we were like, we were doing this, and, and you know, we were talking to eight-year-old kids, you know, and, and all this kind of stuff, and, and they would tell us their name, and they would tell us how they died, and all this kind of stuff, right? So that, obviously, it was made up, right? Like, it wasn't legitimate because, you know, that's... That's crazy, and, 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 and the way I figured out that it was not legit is, uh, <laughs> I wasn't even a smart kid, but I knew how to spell Satan, and uh, when we spelled out satin instead of Satan one time on the Ouija board, they said, who is talking to us, and it spelled out satin. Who is <laughs> talking to us right now, satin, I was like, something's telling me this ain't legit, you know? I remember that. It was so crazy. Um, but if you think about it, there's a lot of people in that situation, right? There's a lot of people that just believe anything because they don't know. They don't have any truth as their basis for anything. So if something's said, they go, well, that person has been to church. That person's got some idea about God. I, 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 I know that they've said some stuff that sounded a lot like the Bible. So obviously they, they, they must know something. And then you, you, you've got that situation, And then you've got the situation where there are churches out there that are preaching something different than what the Bible says. They're preaching something that they have manufactured on their own. They're worshiping a God that they have created and not the God of the Bible. And then you see that, and you see people being led that way, and it's away from the truth of God. And you'll see whole religions based on that, a works-based religion. What you have to do in order to be able to get to heaven is you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to do this. And the reality is there is nothing you can do besides trusting in the name of Jesus Christ and everything that he did in order to be able to to come to the Father. That you have to believe that Jesus Christ is the only way. That there is no way that you can earn your way to heaven. And there are people that are preaching something different than that. Listen, y'all. We have got an urgent responsibility to go and tell people the truth. We have the truth. I tell you guys in here all the time, if you don't believe what I'm saying, you need to go read it for yourself. As a matter of fact, I encourage you to read it for yourself, and if I'm telling you something that's not true, come up here and call me out on it, and I'll confess it in front of everybody and say, I was wrong in this area. You see, we as believers, we have got to adhere to this truth and to this truth alone, and that is urgent. It is urgent that we do that. Because there is so much that isn't true that's going out there, and people are believing it. They're believing it. And they're being led astray, and they're going to hell. Man, we have got to take the truth to the world. We have got to be talking about the truth in casual conversations, because you don't know who might be sitting around you that doesn't know anything about Jesus. They don't know anything about the God of this Bible. And you've got an opportunity to pour truth into them. You don't need to miss that opportunity. Because they will see you going to church. This is what happens a lot of times. They will see you going to church. They'll know you're one of those church-going people. So what they will do is they will, especially when times get difficult, they will ask you questions, right? They will ask you questions. And whether you believe it or not, what they're actually trying to do is to get you to tell them something about what God says about that situation. Not your opinion, but what does God say about that? And they're really trying to get a a picture of what the Bible says through you. So I want you to know that when when somebody that's not a Christian is going through something especially and they ask you questions about something, that is your opportunity to bring Christ into that conversation. And that needs to be your focus. We don't need to let those moments pass us by. We need to recognize that that is a God moment. That is a kairos. That That is right now here where God is showing us. You've got this chance to pour truth into somebody. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. And Paul, all these letters that we have from Paul, right in the church of Corinth is one example. He's like, man, you guys have gotten it all messed up. You had it right at the beginning. You understood Jesus. You understood sa- being saved through faith in Christ. You understood that. But now, man, you've gotten away from that. You've tried to bring other garbage in here. You're to convolute it. You, you just messed everything up. And he has to correct them a little bit. He has to encourage them a little bit. He has to show them where they messed up and gotten off the path. And here, in this particular passage, he talks about us being God's ambassadors. And we're going to be in in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. Now, just know that leading up to this, he is talking about we being God's ambassadors, right? You probably see that in the beginning of verse 11. You probably see get a little header up there. And he's basically talking about this understanding that we have that we're supposed to bring the gospel to other people, that we're supposed to show them the truth. And, and, and he, he's showing them that this is something that is integral to your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's something you're supposed to do. Did you know that? That as a Christian, one of the things that you're supposed to do is to tell people the gospel of Jesus Christ. That once you're saved, once you become a Christian and a Christ follower, it all of a sudden becomes about everybody else and less about you. Right? Right? This also affects how we view other people. And this is what it says beginning in verse 16. And I wanted to start right here because I wanted you to see how we are to view other people as well. It says, so we we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. So what is Paul saying here? He says, we used to view things from a human point of view. This, this affected how we viewed God. This how, affected how we viewed other people. And once you become a Christian, once you become a Christ follower, that view should shift that, that The way that you view people should change. When we see somebody that makes us angry, when we encounter somebody that's wanting to fight us, instead of, instead of retaliating with anger, we should retaliate with, with the gospel of Christ. We should retaliate with the love of Christ. We, we know how God has changed our own heart. We can know how God can change their heart as well. We, we should see that. We, we should not see them as somebody that is just full of malice and anger and hate and all of that kind of stuff. We should look at them with grace and say, man, if you only knew my God. You, you've got a child that, that, that's hurting. You, you've got a relationship that's broken. You, you've got all these things going on, and you're coming to me, and you're asking me for my input, and, and what do I see, and, and how, how do you think you can rectify this situation? Let me start with Jesus. Let me start with Jesus because that's how my life is different. That's why my heart is different. That's why everything about me is transformed. It it begins with Jesus. See, I used to look at things the way that you looked at them. I used to look at things and be like, oh, this is never going to end. It's going to be terrible. All this kind of stuff. It's just going to hurt and hurt and hurt and hurt. And it's never going to go away. And life is suffering. And there's just no way that that things are ever going to change for me. I say, no, no, no. See, you don't understand. See, I had that perspective too. I was... A very cynical person um, early in life. And and I had a friend, he used to have a saying, he really did. I mean, this is how cynical I was and how negative I was about everything. He used to say, black is Kenny's heart. That was what he used to say about me. Now I have never forgotten that. I have never forgotten that. But I know that God has given me a new heart, a transformed heart. I'm completely different now. And there are some times when I get down. There's sometimes when I get depressed, and that happens. But I have to recognize that God has given me a new perspective in life. That it goes beyond this life. It's an eternal perspective. Now, it's not like it used to be. It's brand new. It's transformed. And I have to remember that. Black is Kenny's heart. That never that never left me. I, I this this guy, he's now passed away, and. Um, I believe as a Christian, I talked to him about his faith in Christ before he passed away. Um, but I've never forgotten. What, I mean, and, and he didn't really continue to say that as, as we got older, but that was just one of the things he said to me when we were younger. I was like, man, black is Kenny's heart. That's what he said. And it never kind of left me. I've always thought about that. And there was another friend of mine. These, these are like two of my best friends in my life growing up. And I had another best friend that, that told me this. Uh, when we had to get selected for what we were going to do in graduation, and it was based on our rank in our class. You know how all that happens when you get ready to graduate. This person's responsible for this. This person's responsible for that. Well, I was in charge of the prayer at the end of the baccalaureate. And I had a friend that said this to me, and I've told you guys this before. He looked at me in the middle of the principal's office in front of the other people, the top members of our class. He looked at me and he said, do you even know how to pray? That's what he said. I mean, that's a wake-up call to you, you know? And God has used those things to remind me in my life. I mean, yes, there were very negative things, but he's used those in my life to remind me of how transformed I am, how I am a new creation in Christ, and I need to tell other people that because there are other people out there that, that people are saying, they've got a black heart too, or they don't know how to pray. There are people out there that, that, that may be smart guys in their class, but, but you know what? They they don't, Jesus is not recognizable in their life and he needs to be. And that needs to be the message that we're, we're, we're relaying to people. It's so urgent. We don't need to miss those moments when God has given us a chance to talk about it. Verse 18 says, all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us a task of reconciling people to him reconcile. Do you know what that word means? It's a big churchy word. Does anybody know what reconciling means? If you reconcile, you know what it means? Just come into agreement, come into agreement to, to, to be in on, on the same path in agreement with each other means to reconcile. Okay. And the only way for us to do that with God is through Christ. Christ reconciled us to God. He brought us into agreement with God because there is no way we could do it in our sinful nature. We can't even look on the presence of God without being destroyed because of our sinful nature that we have. But God, through his son Jesus Christ, reconciled us to himself and brought us in agreement with himself that we might be able to spend eternity with him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, And he gave us the wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to become a sin offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. I don't think that we understand the gravity of what he's saying here. That we are the ambassadors of Christ? What what does an ambassador do? Like like in political terms, an ambassador is one that goes over to uh, another country and maybe they live there in an embassy or something like that, and, and they are the ones that, that, that relay messages from that foreign country back to our government and from our government to that country, right? So they're a liaison, if you will. There's a big word, I have to use that word, a liaison. There's somebody that talks to the other group and gets them to understand what we're saying, right? So an interpreter, if you will. All right, so, so that's their job. So we, God is making his appeal through us that, that we are his voice to the world. Do you see that? Do you understand the gravity of that situation? Yes, God is revealing himself to the world, but at the same time, he's using us to plead this message of reconciliation. The fact that God has brought us into alignment with him through his son, Jesus Christ. I don't think that we recognize sometimes what kind of power exists in that. Now, God doesn't have to. God doesn't have to do that. God could just speak and we could all be saved in an instant. Yes, absolutely. But that's not the way God works. He uses us for the purpose of reconciliation to show the world that that he he can save and he he can change and he can give you a new heart and all those things. And how does he do that? By doing it in you. He starts by doing it in you. And not only is there a voice now that speaks the truth of God, but there's a life that lives the truth of God. You see that? We talked about this this last week, how, how maybe your sanctification, you're, you're growing and your understanding of who God is and what he's called you to do. Maybe all of that is for the purposes of showing the world. Maybe it's for everybody else and, and so that they can see Christ in you. And that's the reason we go through the process of sanctification through the Holy Spirit. See, God says, I'm going to speak, and you're going to be my voice. And you know what I think we're doing sometimes? Not only with our lives, but with our voice. We're a little bit ashamed. We're we're a little bit ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And Paul says to the Roman church, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. We cannot, we cannot afford to miss these God moments. We cannot afford to miss these opportunities that we have to bring Christ into the conversation and talk about how Christ has reconciled us to himself and how God is using us. We cannot miss these opportunities. And I'm afraid there's too many Christians that are missing these opportunities. And you've got other religions out there that have a false doctrine, a false teaching, something that's not true. And they're out there evangelizing. They're out there talking to people about what they believe. And that's how all these misconceptions about what a relationship with God looks like, that's how they're getting out there. So to me, those that have the truth have a greater responsibility. Am I right? We've got to combat not only those that, that don't know, but we also got to combat those that are teaching something that's false. So we have an even greater responsibility to take this message out into the world. We shouldn't, stop, we shouldn't stop talking about it. We should never shut up about it. We should be talking about Christ and what he can do in your life all the time. I want you to understand the gravity of this particular time that you have in your life. We always say this. We always say, man, I'll talk to somebody, you know, tomorrow, the next day, next year, maybe at Thanksgiving when I see them at the family gathering, I'll talk to them about it. And you're missing God moments When God takes a message like this and the message that Paul was delivering to the church at Corinth and he he takes that and he starts to challenge you and your heart begins to move towards God and say, that's what I really need to do. And then we'll walk out the door and we won't do anything about it. And we're missing that Kairos. Seize the day. Seize the day. I have to read. I have to read 2 Corinthians Chapter six, beginning in verse one. As God's partners, I love this word, partners. What do we call people at Simple Church that have agreed to to come together for the purposes of the gospel of Christ? We call them partners, right? We don't call them members. We say members. Is, that, that that term has gotten all messed up. It was originally intended to talk about the body of Christ having many members and many uh, many different functions, and, and that's the. But what we turned it into. And so we turned it into like being a member of a country club, right? That's, that's what the, the church has turned the word member into. It's Like you have, you have privileges if you're a member, like an American Express card holder. You know, you got privileges if you're a member. But what did we say here at Simple Church? We want to change that mentality. It, the word is not what's important. What is important is the concept. And the concept is this, that we are partners with Christ. That, that we are to come alongside him and be in agreement with him for his purposes, to accomplish what God has called us to do the way he has called us to do it. And therefore, we are partners doing this together. And if you don't, if you don't carry your own weight, what happens? Then the whole group lags behind, right? Yes. If we're locked arm in arm for the gospel of Christ and some aren't pulling their weight, what happens? You get this little wave in the line, right, where everybody starts to get drugged back. We are supposed to be locked arm in arm, marching forward with Christ at the center, showing us exactly where we're supposed to go and how we're supposed to go there. And it's supposed to be urgent. It's supposed to be urgent. There are empty seats all in this place, right? There are seats that, that, that could have been filled with somebody. Somebody that you know, somebody that you love, somebody that you care about. My question to you is this. Have you missed a God moment, an opportunity, an opportunity? in order to be able to share Christ with them so, or just even invite them to come and be a part and see. Like, tell them, man. Like, like I know you may not know Christ. I may not you know, know much about God, but just come and listen and see and seek. Yeah. And there are tons of empty seats around here where those seats can be filled with people that they don't know anything, but they're just trying to figure this thing out. And by the way, it's not my responsibility to do that. It's not. And I don't say that to try to shuck responsibility because I have a responsibility to bring people as well. I do, but no more so than you do. No more so than you do. You know what's supposed to bring them here is the truth. If we're not preaching the truth, then you shouldn't bring them here. There have been churches that tell me, say, look, <laughs> there have been people that tell me, so I can't take them to my church because they won't be accepted there. I said, well, send them here, man. I promise you they'll be accepted here. And there's a lot of people nodding because you know I'm right. We're going to love them here. The truth is going to reside here. We're not going to focus on anything but the truth. And we are going to be God's partners. We beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. We beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. He's pleading, Paul's pleading, please don't ignore this. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Salvation. Are we missing the kairos, the God moment that happens? Are we missing the opportunities that God puts before us every single day? Are we complacent with the gospel and say, ah, somebody else will do it, or Kenny may share the gospel with them, or Kenny may invite them to church? Or that's not my personality type, and I'm not really that way. I'm not really supposed to to do that because God didn't call me to do that because I'm kind of a shy person. That's not true. God has called each and every one of us to be ambassadors for Christ, and that only applies to Christians. That only applies to Christians. So if you're not a Christian, it doesn't necessarily apply to you. And you may be thinking to yourself, but I thought I was a Christian. Then this applies to you. If you're not a Christian, I I beg you to come to Christ. I beg you to understand that, that God has reconciled us to himself through his son Jesus Christ. Understand that. And if you're a Christian... Listen again. As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift from God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. If you don't know Him, if you're not a Christian, you're not a Christ follower. A song that we sang right before I came up here. I put this in my head, and I, I want to share it for you. It's in Hebrews chapter one, beginning at verse one. It says, "Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets, and now in these final days, He has spoken to us through His Son. God promised everything to the Son." As an inheritance, and through the Son, he created the universe. The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses its very char- expresses the very character of God, and he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down at the, right, at the place of honor, at the right hand of the majestic Father in heaven. This shows that the sun is far greater than the angels just as the name of God gave him and, they, and gave him is greater than their names. The sun radiates the God's, God's own glory and expresses the very characteristic of God. And sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. The sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. Today, maybe God's spoken to you. Maybe he's made you aware of something in your life that maybe you need to deal with. Maybe there's some things in your life that maybe they they keep you from sharing the gospel. They keep you from sharing the love of Christ because you say, you know what? I'm not qualified. I'm not able. There's too many things gone wrong in my life. and There's too many things that I messed up on. Therefore, I am not qualified to share the gospel. Well, you need to come and give those things to Christ. You need to come and give them over to Him so that, the, so that He can reassure you, can say, you know what? That burden's already been lifted. The price has already been paid. Now go and tell somebody else so they can see that their burdens can be lifted and their price has been paid as well. Lay it down at this altar and say, God, I give it to you because you know what? I want to be the ambassador of Christ that you've called me to be and I don't want to be hindered by anything that will keep me from doing that. Maybe today that's what you need to do. Whatever the case is, I pray that you respond to his Holy Spirit as we pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray right now. As people have heard from your word, as your word has, has been spoken and your Holy Spirit has moved, I, God, I pray that people have been listening. Not just listening with their ears, but listening with their hearts. God, I know that the no words I can say will do anything. God, my words are futile. But your word is forever powerful. God, it is through your might and your power, God, that you can change lives. And there are some people here that they don't know you. They think that they do, but they, they don't. The reality of their lives is that they've never had a relationship with you. And God, I pray that you rescue them. I pray that they listen to your voice and to your voice alone, that the Holy Spirit would move on them so heavily, God, that they'd have no choice but to respond to you. Lord, and then there's some people here. They've never shared the gospel. They've never let the gospel enter into their conversations. God, they've been afraid or ashamed or whatever the case may be. God, I pray that you would just encourage them today. Show them that they are indeed Christ's ambassadors. that, That you use us to bring people to reconciliation with you. God, you use us and our voices and our lives to do that in other people. And God, I don't understand that. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around that, but God, I know that it is true because you say that it's true, therefore it is true. So Lord, I pray, I pray that we would be the ambassadors you called us to be, that we would not let anything hinder us or keep us from seizing this God moment, this Kairos that you put before us each and every day of our lives. Father, thank you so much for being the creator of the universe, putting the stars in the sky and the heavens above us, for being a creative God, creating something new in me. God, I pray that I would be a voice that goes and takes that message out into this world. I pray that each of us would be. Father, thank you for creating in me something new. God, I pray that you do that now. In these people's lives, speak in Jesus' name.